Hi, I'm Paul Myers, uh, founder and CEO of BAPS, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. This is the podcast where we're trying to get the best guests that potentially could help you uh, with your app journey, whether you're developing an app as a side project whilst you're working, or maybe you're working for a startup, or even working uh, in a small team or on your own. Uh, This is the podcast for you, so stay tuned for this episode. It's going to be a terrific episode. I've got an exceptional guest. He does a lot of interviews, and he has given us the time as well. His name is Rick Singer, and he is the CEO and founder of greatapps.com. And uh, just as the name says, they are really great apps on there. And uh, Well, I just have to say, Rick, thank you very much for joining uh, us on the App Guy podcast. Oh, Paul, it's my pleasure, and I really appreciate you having me as well. Well, you are, uh, you know, you've been, uh, it seems like uh, in a lot of different things, perhaps you can give us a sense of uh, what you've been involved with over the last few years and uh, and why uh, did you, you know, get attracted towards uh, apps in particular? Sure, absolutely. I actually started getting involved with various uh, online platforms, whether as an investor or as a, or as a founder back in around 2006, 2007. Um, some of my uh, interesting names that I'm actually the co-owner of is TechStartups.com, which clearly defines the space that we're in today with technology and startups. And you know, we 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 can't read a publication that's not surrounding a tech startup. So I was fortunate to be the co-owner of that property, and I still am. And as the years uh, continued to go on, I actually was involved with another uh, digital company that was sold to a publicly traded company. We created. Uh, an exit that we were very happy about. And then I needed to go into something else because I had just sold my last venture. My wife had made a comment to me. So she said, well, you own greatapps.com. Then you should just do something with that. So me being a smart man and listening to women's intuition of my wife, I locked myself up in a office for a few months. And I had come out of the office saying, I know what I want to do with greatapps.com. I also own, by the way, the domain greatapp.com. I have the singular and the plural. And I had acquired those properties years ago, just when apps were really starting to, you know, really start to take off or really create some interest. I had no idea that that they were going to be as popular as they are today. So I will attribute that to not necessarily being smart, but I'll say lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people would agree. Was that around 2011? Did you say? Yeah, I actually, well, I acquired the properties prior to that, but I, but I started to really develop and come up with a business plan and and a direction in the, you know, at at the beginning of 2011 is correct. So as a timeframe and ultimately what I really wanted to do after doing extensive research is I wanted to still stick to the mantra of being a serial entrepreneur and helping others because I've been a serial entrepreneur for 20 some odd years and I wanted to do something a little bit different in mobile. And at that time, and again, this well, space has changed, as you know, dramatically over the last three years. And, and, and as we approach four years in business on greatapps.com, it sometimes you know, feels like a lifetime where people say, wow, a technology company that's been around for this many years. Um, and it's something that we, you know, we're proud of and we're still continuing to grow. And we, we came up here with something really, really different where we didn't necessarily want to be 
you know, an ad mob, which is, you know, of course, now owned by Google. We don't necessarily want it to be uh, uh, an ad network platform, but we were, wanted to create something where the small developer or even a mid-sized developer had an opportunity to get exposure for their app in a cost-effective manner. And that is something that was very, very important because I understand what it's like to be a business owner or even be involved in a side venture, and you don't necessarily have a large budget to market a product or service. Yeah, I have to say, Rick, that you know one of the biggest questions I get from the Apps to Tribe is how to market an app. And it's really, you know, launch, what's the launch sequence? Uh, what should I be doing? How much should I be spending on the budget of on our advertising where should that money go should they be into stittle ads or um, you know should they be banner ads all these questions i mean it's definitely one of the a very popular subject in terms of uh, marketing apps oh absolutely and, and that's something that we actually took into consideration uh you know with a lot of trial and error with greatapps.com where you know i ultimately had said to myself that i wanted a destination and obviously i already have the name or a brandable name in, in greatapps.com where users could come to the platform every day and not be bombarded with hundreds of new apps because we're seeing almost 3,000 new apps per day now being released on numerous platforms. So I limited the amount of apps that could be discovered on a daily basis to greatapps.com for two reasons. One, because I wanted to give the user you know, an easy and not a hassle environment, so to speak, where they're not being bombarded by pop-ups and things like that. And I obviously wanted to give the developer an opportunity to have their app to be discovered every single day. So that is something that we have done with greatapps.com. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and, and, is, and, and I'm glad that you asked me, you know, what is the direction to go to? Because you, you get asked by people often how to market their app. You know, putting greatapps.com uh, great aside for a moment, I encourage everybody you have to do something to market your app. Unfortunately, the day of putting your app, you know, in the, you know, in iOS or or it's out on Android and hoping that someone's going to discover it, unfortunately, it's just not a marketing plan simply because there's too many apps that are out there. So, it's one of those things where we're seeing a lot of people are being active with social media, which is fantastic. If anyone can invest 15 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes of time you know, either in the morning if they have a day job or in the evening or on the weekend, use that medium, use, use, the, use the, free, the free services, I like to call it, to tell people about your app or follow people within the app community or retweet things that are relevant or even irrelevant to your app, at least to try to generate, you know, a buzz. So it's something that's very important. I think that every app that's out there now that needs a video, let people get a little bit of a glimpse on what your app does, and we're seeing the prices fall dramatically where you can make a good quality video for under $100, which is something that years ago really wasn't out there. Um, there's so many different things that someone could really do to market their app, but the one thing that I think certain developers just really need to grasp is you have to do something. Well, no one's, you know, I, no one's I have to say, Rick, you know, in uh, your episode 190, and you've really hit upon the main theme from all of my episodes, which is uh, when you launch an app now, you really do need to launch it to a ready-made audience in a way. And, uh, you know, it's either have your own audience built up through social media who are expecting your app and are ready to download it on launch day or do a joint venture with somebody who already has an audience and uh, then you could partner up and uh, then launch it to that audience. 
but as you say, you know, it's, it's a very wise thing to learn that you just can't now expect the app store to just take care of you and and uh, pr- promote you and uh, and give you the numbers that you would expect on on launch day because that that you're just going to get swamped with the other 299 launching that exact same day. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the interesting thing is that unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't matter which platform that we talk about, but whether it's you know for Android or for iOS. Unfortunately, the platforms are not really educating the new developers on what's entailed. It's more of, you know, people read, you know, read the rag to riches and they want to be the next candy crush or they want to be the next angry bird. And, and it's great to aspire and, and to dream. And, you know, something if you put hard work into it, there's no reason why one app cannot, you know, achieve certain milestones and, and create greatness, as we like to say. But they're not going to necessarily educate you on how to do that. And it's interesting is that, you know, I speak to hundreds of people on a daily basis and I have, you know, many employees in my company here at greatapps.com. We have 2,600 square foot of space and, and, and we're in central Connecticut here in the States. And you'd be surprised of how many people will, will say to us, for example, well, my graphics are really great and my screenshots look wonderful. And that's why someone's going to download my app versus the next app. And we, of course, try to educate them on the process and simply tell them having a wonderful icon or great screenshot does not necessarily mean that someone's going to download the app if they can't find it. And that, I think, still to this day remains the biggest challenge with apps is app discovery. Hands down, that's the biggest issue that we're all trying to work through and come up with a cost-effective, viable solution. Yeah, I love the term app discoverability. We had a really good session with someone who's trying to solve that uh, in a, an earlier episode. But but I would love to know, you know, you do get a lot of approaches from uh, app developers. Uh, I'd love to know some of the common mistakes that you see when people approach you so that we can learn from you not not to actually do the same. What, what, do, you, what do you see that people are just constantly, uh, you know, making mistakes when they approach and reach out to you for, you know, I guess, attention or yeah, perhaps you can give us some guidance on what to avoid. Absolutely. Well, the biggest thing to avoid is an app developer. It really starts with accepting the fact that they have to do something to market their app. Believe it or not, that's one of the biggest, I guess, challenges that 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 we see within the space is that people feel that their app is just so phenomenal and it's going to be downloaded. And even apps that are really, really phenomenal and they're really well made are still going to need the help as an app that might not have as broad of appeal to it, to it or it's not as marketable. So the first thing the indie developer has to learn sometimes the hard way is whether they like it or not, they have to market their product. You know, we take a brand like Apple, which is a global brand, one of the biggest period, and Apple spends hundreds of millions of dollars in certain segments, whether it's TV or online, and I don't have the exact number, and they're constantly branding their brand. So what makes an indie developer think that they don't have to brand their product or their app or their service? I don't know any business out there that isn't successful that doesn't invest money into their product in terms of the marketing side. And that's where it has to start. So the first thing is to answer your question is that once they could sit there and and accept that they're going to have to do something, that's half the battle, without a doubt. From there, it's a matter of You have to do your research like anything else. What is the audience that you're looking to reach? You have to set a marketing budget and say, well, I can only afford to spend or I'm only going to spend X amount of dollars until I see a return 
or a partial return, and then you can reassess the situation at that particular point. Um, another huge topic of conversation, as you can imagine, is do you have a free app with an in-app purchase, or do you charge you know ninety-nine cents or a dollar ninety-nine? That I think has been one of the great you know great debates and transitions that we have seen over the last you know fourteen to sixteen months. Actually, Rick, can I mention some strategy that I heard today? It was for the first time, in fact. And I'm not sure if it works, but somebody said that uh, when launching an app, it's it's uh, quite a wise thing to launch with a price. I mean, this actually is only applicable for Apple because I don't think Google Play allows you to do this. But you launch with a fairly high price, and then within the first two days, you uh, lower it to almost, I think, zero. And then these websites uh, will pick it up, the ones looking for uh, big discounts on apps. And uh, I, I believe that that, uh, then gets kind of picked up and thrown around, you know, some of the discounted uh, websites where they, they find good apps for you. Have you heard about that before, that yeah, strategy? I've actually, I've actually seen people charge $99 one day for their app, and then for a week it becomes free. Okay. Yeah. They're doing what supermarkets have been doing for years, you know. Yeah, they, maybe. Well, maybe to a degree. Um, I don't know. You know, I, to me, I think that, you know, it becomes more of a day trying to, uh, you know, change the numbers because they think that there's going to be a ranking system or something, in, you know, in, a, let's say, the App Store algorithm that's going to pick them up. I, I've heard different stories of people saying that they change their prices weekly because they feel that it does give them traction. And there are many, many, many uh, websites out there that will have their own feed. And the feed, of course, is picking up price changes. You know, there, there's one, you know, one particular website that I know of that every day they have a complete list of new apps that hit the market. And also in that list are price changes. So that's one particular case that I guess if you have a certain group of loyal users, they're going to see a price change. Is it something that is going to be uh, appealing? Maybe. I don't necessarily think that you have an app user, though, that's going to say, well, this app was $2.99 two days ago. And now it's 99 cents today, so I maybe should take advantage of it, and I'll tell you why. In those 48 hours, another 6,000 apps hit the marketplace, and chances are I already forgot about that person's app. So it's something where the plus side is do, do whatever you can as long as it's legal. But on the other side, I don't necessarily know if changing your price point on a weekly basis is something that ultimately is going to be productive at the end of the day, I think using things such as social media, which I mentioned earlier, I think the old fashioned starting point of having all your friends and tell their friends and having them retweet and go onto Facebook and things like that saying, check out this app is something to, you know, ultimately get you started. I, I am seeing a trend recently where you're seeing app developers that are actually buying reviews. Um, it's something that I actually see on Android where you have these small services that will say for X amount of dollars, you know, I'm going to get you 150 reviews. And they're, of course, all five star positive. And what they're thinking is going to happen is that someone's going to come to their app, see 100 or 200 positive ratings. And they're going to say, oh, this is a great app because look at all these reviews. Let me download it. There's only one problem with that, Paul. What's that? You could have, have 2,000 positive reviews, but if no one knows that your app is there, then what's the point? 
actually, uh, when we finish recording, Rick, I'll have to pick up on uh, any that are podcast related. Because <laughs> uh, actually, you know, one of the biggest, um, uh, you know, one of the biggest challenges I think app developers and startup founders have is that they, you know, we've had examples where on the show where they've spent a year, a year and a half building their app. They've put blood, sweat, tears into it and they launch it and uh, they get nothing but uh, complaints because it doesn't do this, it doesn't do that. And then they get one star ratings. And uh, uh, it seems to be that people are more willing to leave a rating if it's a, a negative experience than if they've had a positive experience. And uh, it's, Yeah, it's- yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because it's one of those things where, um, you know, you know, time is valuable and it seems like there's not enough hours in the day. And I think that sometimes you get people that are more inclined to leave a negative rating versus a positive rating simply because they feel that, you know, whether it's for free or, or whether they paid 99 cents, that they ultimately got, quote unquote, you know, gypped off. I think that obviously every, you know, developer should make sure that their their app is working as perfect as possible. And we know that there's nothing perfect in technology and bugs will come up. But we're also in a society now that it really becomes a matter of it's, it's instantaneous, it's now, and patience is something that has kind of seemed to be, you know, you know, you know, forgotten art form with, you know, with business. This is just the world um, that we live in. But there's so many different, you know, tricks of the trade out there. And I think that old fashioned marketing to a degree, and, and I don't necessarily want to harp on greatapps.com, but when I created the platform, my whole basis was it's a destination. Your app can be seen. You don't necessarily have to rely on someone typing in a keyword search hoping that it's going to come up. You know, it, you know, think about how long that, you know, and you talk about online marketing now versus offline, you know, offline marketing, you know, for how many years have TV commercials been in existence? It doesn't matter where you are. And even still to this day, you have them because you still have that visual that is there. We're now seeing, you know, large companies such as King Digital, which are the people behind Candy Crush here, for example, in the States. And I don't know about your neck of the woods, I probably see, you know, late night because I, I catch a little bit of TV and Sports Center and, and, and the news in the e- late evening hours. I see four to six television commercials a day now promoting their apps. Now, why is that? It's, it's visual. And when everyone is laying in bed or they're sitting on the couch, what are they doing? They're holding their phones. They're holding their smartphones. They're holding their iPods or, 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 or tablets, whatever the case may be. So you're, you're seeing, you know, you know, a, a constant you know, evolution of where are you going to market this thing? Now, let's face it, the ind- individual developer is not going to have a budget to go on TV. You and I both know that. But they can do some basic things to get noticed for free. And again, social media, create a video for $100. The biggest thing, believe it or not, Paul, that someone could do to increase their odds of getting more downloads is having a good website or splash page. Yeah, we've noticed a lot of the startup founders on the show that have great apps. Uh, I've got beautiful websites with video backdrops now, uh, which is, is like a new trend coming in and they look amazing. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's uh, Even though the website is just a destination to go and repoint you to the app store, still those websites uh, do look uh, really beautiful and slick. You know, there's, there's so much to talk about here and uh, I'm conscious of time and I just wondered... Um, one of the common um, segments I have on the show is to ask uh, about uh, one or two popular apps uh, that you would recommend. 
Now, given that you recommend one a day, it must be really hard to choose from all those. But would you be able to point out one or two apps that perhaps you'd like to bring to our attention that you've come across recently? Well, I mean, it's interesting is that, you know, greatapps.com, you know, we allow only up to five apps per day to be added simply because, again, we want to keep it exclusive in nature. We want the user not to be bombarded. We want the developer to you know, have their time to get eyes to get downloads. That's the whole basis of of greatapps.com and moreover, I think any marketing campaign should do that. In terms of touting an individual app, it is something that I actually will choose not to comment on. Sorry, I should have realized that, yeah. I'll tell you why. Simply because the amount of clients, you know, and It's like picking their favorite kid. Yeah, it's one of those things that if I go off-site, if he comes, if I go off greatapps.com, becomes, well, how come you couldn't talk about mine because I do service individual clients and mid-sized developers yeah. and things like that. And if I go the other way, it creates problems. So as much as I could you know, throw out a handful that I think are really, really interesting, I think the best position to take on this one is I can't comment that I'm conflicted out for obvious reasons. Yeah, that, Rick, that's great because in 190 episodes, that's the first time we've heard that and uh, it was fully understandable. I mean, clearly, uh, you know, you're in that position where you'd get um, a lot of uh, angry phone calls from <laughs> app developers. Who, Why did you not choose my app on that show? And so, uh, you know, the other thing that we, well, actually, that's on the subject, I guess we could talk about um, democratization of um, discoverability. And I've just, I've actually just invented that. I, I, I don't know where that came from. But uh, <laughs> the, in a way, you know, you are choosing from 300 new apps a day. How are you? Uh, well, 3,000, 3,300. Right, 3,000, three, three, 3, sorry, 3,000. Yeah, we're seeing 3,000 new day on average in iOS alone. We're seeing between fourteen and sixteen hundred new apps being released daily, and that's on a global basis. Obviously, they're not all, let's say, in English, and they're, it's just you know different languages, all parts of um, you know all parts of the world. So I just want to sit there and clarify that. So we're seeing three thousand on average in total new apps per day. I mean, it's huge. Like I remember when Steve Jobs was live, it was about 1,000 per week on the uh, App Store, the Apple App Store. And then when uh, we've had a guest on the show that was in the first 1,000 apps on the uh, the, the iPhone, uh, it would have been a great time to get on. But uh, so so uh, how do you actually choose uh, what goes on your site? Well, it's a very, very good question. I mean, interesting enough is that we, we, we don't serve clients just here in the United States we serve clients around the world. I have clients in Canada, Australia, Asia, you know, all over Europe. And we receive, uh, and I'm not going to disclose the amount because it's a large number, but we receive numerous amounts of inbound inquiries every day of people inquiring about our services or people saying, I heard about your service and I'd like to get my app on greatapps.com. That is a large portion of the business coming in. Um, and then another portion is, is that I do have a team here that I manage, and we actually will extend invitations to select apps, offering them that they could join our services. So it, it goes both ways. And, th- and there, there is a vetting out process, but we look at many, many factors. Um, we look at the broad appeal of the app where, you know, the game market is so huge, as we know. Games are the number one category, and it's the number one you know, revenue driver for the app space. Um, and interestingly enough, I don't know if you noticed that I now own appgames.com as well. 
Right, you're getting all the connotations of uh, game apps and great games here and great, great. Uh, yeah, well, I think that, well, appgames.com, which we're launching in the first quarter of 2015. And you don't you don't have to worry too much then at the moment about .co's uh, competing with you and then all these other no, I'm not worried about that. I, I think that, you know, in the mobile gaming space, having a name such as appgames.com pretty much sums it up. Um, so that's something that we're obviously incredibly humbled, excited to to have that property because as you can imagine, every person that I speak to and that I've connected with have said, this is just unbelievable. Um, so, you know, we're something we're very, very excited about, you know, that as well. So, so that's, um, you know, so for the app developers listening to this uh, right now, are we saying that you, we can go to uh, greatapps.com and submit our app to you for review and, uh, um, is there a, um, any money that changes hands to, to get onto the site? Yes, we charge a one-time fee, which covers 12 months of exposure. And our fees are very, very, very reasonable. We start as low as a one-time payment of $195, and that's U.S. dollars. And it goes as high as $795. And again, that's a one-time payment for a full year. It's non-recurring billing. And our model is completely different than an ad platform because the average cost per install on an ad platform, right now it's about $2.26. And again, not on greatapps.com, just industry statistics that come out from you know, uh, analytical firms such as Flurry. They're, they're of course, always uh, putting out their data and we're not associated with Flurry, just to let you know, um, but it is a great service. And the average cost per install is $2.26. Well, if you have a limited budget and if you have an app that is free, that has, let's say, ads that are being displayed, and that's how you're monetizing it, you might find that $2.26 you didn't get any type of ROI on. So when I set out to create greatapps.com, and I said I wanted to be something different, I've created something different where a developer with even the smallest budget can say, you know what, I could afford $195, or I could afford your next package for $295 because it's only a one-time payment. Yeah, Rick, I would say that when I was uh, doing a lot of stuff with websites, uh, one of the things I always used to do is uh, register them on some of the uh, big directories and uh, there would be, on average, a cost of $195 um, to $295 uh, for a year's listing. Uh, but there was an incredible source of traffic. And uh, the great thing is that you didn't, I, I didn't have to worry too much about the cost per click or, or going over that. You know, that was a fixed cost. And, yep. uh, and it's something, yeah, and, and that's something that is, you know, like I said, it's very, very important to us for, you know, you know that you're paying X amount of dollars and it's one time. You're not worried about that. You're going to get a credit card bill or you're going to forget about it. And, our, and, and it's great because our system, what we do is that after a full year, we will, you know, obviously communicate with the, you know, developer if there's been only minimal contact in between because sometimes they're coming out with new apps and they're, they're coming to us on a weekly basis. And then sometimes nine or ten months later, you find that an app kind of, you know, died on the vine where they just didn't care about it anymore and they did the update. So we don't do automatic renewals. We actually like to assess where the developer is after that 12-month period to decide, A, does it make sense for them to continue if they want to? or B, see how the landscape has changed. So it's one of those things, as you mentioned, where it's one of those things where you didn't sit there, worry about it. You didn't worry about, you know, all these miscellaneous charges. And I think that especially for the indie developer, and again, that I have to stress that, you know, you know, there are more indie developers 
than there are of your, you know, handful of these large, large, you know, you know, conglomerates, if you will, in this space. Um, and, and when you're trying to help the individual developer, you need to bring something that's cost effective. And those two words are just very, very important. Uh, there is um, one other thing we need to do before we say goodbye, Rick, and uh, we do it on mo- most of the shows. And uh, it is we'd like to try and flesh out an app idea. And there's there's two ways we can do that. We can, I can either ask you, do you, have you ever had or would you be able to share an app idea, an idea for an app? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought you would have. <laughs> what, what is it? Here is, here's my idea, and I actually do not know if it's been taken or it's in full use, but this is my idea. Uh, recently, I have started to wear reading glasses which has been a very, very big shock to me because I've always had phenomenal vision. However, I have five screens on two desks that I work on all day long. And when you're in front of five monitors all day long, the eyes start to go. So I was in a restaurant with my wife and I had said to her as I was using the light on my iPhone to, to, make, the, uh, to make the menu a little bit brighter because the restaurant was very dim, I said it would be really nice if I could plug into an app uh, my setting, whether it's 1.5 or 2.0, whatever this, whatever your your prescription is for your eyeglasses here in the states, it's usually based on a specific number. So I said rather than just zooming it in, it would be great if I can just enter that number and this, yeah, and then the, and then it's already magnified to that degree, and I don't have to worry about it, you know, shaking all over the place. So I wanted, in essence, to convert my reading glasses into an app on my screen with keeping it steady. That was my one of my many, many ideas that I thought was interesting. And I told a buddy of mine in the business about it. And then he came across something later, which appeared similar, but it seemed more of like an eye exam test. So I don't know if it fully exists. And if someone takes the idea, they should hopefully send me my cut of their royalties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, you are talking to a bunch of indie app developers, so uh, we, we like to explore new ideas. That sounds a, a fascinating idea as well. And like I said, know, I don't really... know if it's taken or not. So if it is, you know, no one needs to email me saying, well, that idea was already done because I did research it a while ago and it was not there. Well, I just thought, actually, as we've gone through this discussion, that, uh, you know, so many good ideas have gone. But as you say, app discoverability is at an all-time low in a way, you know. So uh, it, it may be out there, but no one's ever going to find it. So if you can market it, the, the idea better, then uh, it's... No, uh, abso- you, know, abso- you know, absolutely. And, and I will say there's one comment, Paul, that is that I encourage, you know, anyone that's either thinking about entering the space or is in the space is that, you know, you know, if you have the passion for it, stick with it. I think that's really, really important um, it's, it's very easy to get discouraged as an individual app developer or even as a business owner. But if you, you know, bring that passion every day, you will be able to chip through and start to kind of navigate your way when you thought that you actually couldn't. And the biggest thing that I tell my clients, believe it or not, is that you need to have patience. And it's hard to have patience in a business where the space is always changing but if you can have patience with your product and put in that energy and effort over time, you will see results hands down. Well, Rick, a fascinating story. I don't even know where that time's gone. Uh, I'm so thankful that you've uh, been able to join us. I'm going to put all the show notes on. So anyone uh, who wants to find out a little bit more about uh, links 
uh, the things that we've mentioned, just go to theappguy.co and uh, search out episode 190 uh, with Rick Singer and uh, you'll find all the links. But uh, what I would love to know is how best to reach out to you, Rick. Uh, you've inspired me. I'm sure you'll inspire a lot of people listening. How, how best can we connect with you? Uh, the best way to connect with us is by visiting greatapps.com. And actually on the bottom of every page in our footer, we have our phone number, we have our address, and we have our email. We believe that in a digital world that you should still be able to connect with someone as quick as possible. And all our data and information is there, again, at the bottom of greatapps.com, and you'll be able to connect to us there. And if it's obviously something that is related more in the gaming market or the gaming arena, you can visit appgames.com, and we have our same contact data there as well. Great. And of course, it's okay if you slightly misspell that. Don't do it plural because you've got quite a few of the names there. So <laughs> yeah, it's very great. astute uh, entrepreneur yourself, Rick. Yeah, uh, well, greatapps.com, you'll find us, and it's appgames.com, and it obviously is plural, especially on that. So correct. <laughs> yes, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Uh, what an inspiring entrepreneur and, uh, and giving back to the indie app developer community as well, you know, just keeping like it fair and uh, offering a, an alternative to uh, the horrendous uh, you know, in paper installs uh, that exist on the, uh, the ad networks. So thank you so much for joining us on the app. No, and, and Paul, thank you for having me. This has been fantastic. And anytime there's another topic or something, I would be honored to come back if you would allow me. We would. We'd have be honored. You almost could get you as a daily guest, Rick, I think, uh, <laughs> the amount of stuff. Maybe uh, after a few episodes, we could tease out of you your favorite app. <laughs> That, that could be a possibility. <laughs> Cheers.